When it comes to world wars, the second one seems to capture much more of the imagination and romance of Hollywood. World War One, not so much. And perhaps that's due to there being a less clear enemy. Like, there aren't any Nazis in World War One, But personally, I've always been interested in hearing the stories that have come out of World War One. Me as well. We've had some spectacular World War One films like War Horse and even Wonder Woman. But our film today really blows all of those predecessors out of the water. Writer and director Sam Mendes brings us an incredible story of heroism, terror, and a nigh-impossible mission to accomplish in 1917. She's Kaylee, I'm Tuesday, and this is Whiskey and Popcorn. Okay, so Tuesday. You remember that movie Birdman? Uh, you mean like the Birdman of Alcatraz? No. Oh. <laughs> no. No, the the Birdman. Birdman with Michael Keaton from 2014 at one best picture. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. Uh, but why are you bringing up that? There's a very specific reason. Birdman used this technique where it looks like it was shot in just one continuous moving shot. It just followed the characters everywhere. No cutaways. It was amazing. And really when it came out, I think that's really why it won the Oscar because we haven't seen anything like that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. And now in this film, 1917, it employs the same technique to tell the story of two British soldiers who are tasked with a ride-or-die mission. Lance Corporal Schofield, played by George McKay, and also Lance Corporal Blake, played by Dean Charles Chapman, are two foot soldiers stationed near the German front. And they are pulled aside to do this secret mission to get the word to their fellow soldiers on the other side of the front about a trap set by the German troops. And they have barely 24 hours to cross no man's land and get the message to their countrymen. For Lance Corporal Blake, this mission is of particular importance because his brother is actually in the other unit that they're trying to reach and is in danger of getting killed. Schofield and Blake set out into the wilds of war in this survival story that's truly unlike anything we've really seen before. Check out this clip from the trailer. Blake, pick a man, bring your kit. I hoped today might be a good day. Hope is a dangerous thing. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. Let's talk about this for a minute. Why? We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. (laughs) 
All right. So I want to point out that this film is just full of fantastic actors. You might have recognized some of the voices there. We're mostly with George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman. But we see appearances by Andrew Scott and Benedict Cumberbatch, which I think BBC Sherlock fans will recognize them instantly. There's also Colin Firth. He plays General Aaron Moore. Richard Madden is in this film and Daniel Mays. This is just to name a few. There are some heavy hitters in this film. So really, is it any surprise that this film was as good as we think it is? No way. Director Sam Mendes is already an Oscar winner. Some of his most popular films are the James Bond movies like Skyfall, Inspector, and of course, American Beauty, which still goes down, is one of my top tens. Mm. And his sense of space and use of camera angles, as well as storytelling, it, it always meets in this perfect marriage of creativity. He just makes really damn good films. I couldn't agree more. And I think with this film, like the story itself is very straightforward. You have two guys, they got to get from point A to point B, in the middle is no man's land. But how Mendez manages to keep the drama and the tension so strong, like this film was sort of getting close to about three hours and I was riveted the whole time just intense, intense scenes because you never know who's around the next corner. And I think this continuous following of the camera, the panning, kind of helps with this sort of sense of doom, sense of dread, um, you know, your anxiety because you're kind of like with them. You, you are the camera looking around. So it's not like you can get an aerial shot and see what's happening or you know, turn and see what's behind you, you're kind of locked in to whatever the shot may be. And they might circle in front or in back of the two actors or other actors, but like you're in the trenches and it's got this almost claustrophobic feeling in some senses, uh, in some scenes. Which is super interesting because we're always in such, minus being in the trenches, we're always in such wide open spaces with them. And I agree, there are movies that feel like they're three hours, and there's ones that don't. And this one is definitely one that does not feel like it's close to three hours. There are... Movies that Kaylee and I would describe as walking movies. Sometimes they're slower, but it always comes down to a character or several characters walking. And it's walking, we build a little bit more into character development. We're walking and we build, and it doesn't, and it is to an extent a walking movie, but there's so much more that's going on. Like I've seen walking movies that just are dreadful (laughs) and long and meandering and This one just blows that walking concept out of the water because at no time is this a slow movie. Well, yeah, and I I think at at the beginning when I was first watching this film, like I was really into it and then it sort of slowed down for me. And I was like, oh man, I hope this really picks up. But once you watch it all the way through, that sort of slowed pace Um, Once they set off on their journey, it kind of feels like that slows down. That was very intentional, I come to realize, because it's just painting these layers of intensity. And I don't think you would have been as 
anxious, um, scared, uh, worried for our guys had we not really taken this sort of slower pace throughout. And, you know, what I thought was also amazing in this film, aside from the continuous shot, but was all the attention to detail. Hands getting cut on barbed wire, the rotting bodies of men and horses. And it sort of reminded me a little bit of War Horse because we get to see some of that atrocity. But like with these characters, like they cut up and close and personal with a lot of these elements in their environments, these huge just cesspools uh, where the bombs had fell and they were now filled with water rats. It was just so immersive. Yes, there are definitely cringeworthy scenes and Mendez does not pull away from those. And I actually appreciate it in that fact. I, when they first get their assignment, there's a sergeant or someone higher than them that says, you'll know you follow the smell. And that's when you know they're getting into the thick of things. And there's rotting horses and dead bodies. And I actually appreciated, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's, it's up there with Saving Private Ryan because that's probably one of the goriest war films I've ever seen in my life. But there's some cringeworthy spots where our whole audience was, and you feel your stomach turn a little bit. But something else that I know you and I both noticed was that in filming, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. You're in between scenes. There's two hours before you're going to be on scene again. But with this, it being a steadfast pan, I really commend the entire, I mean, these are hundreds of extras. Mm. who are just supposed to be in the pan somewhere. If it pans that direction, you have to be there and acting like a soldier, whether that's sleeping or drinking or smoking. And so there isn't a lot of downtime for even these extras. No. It's just you're on all the time. You don't get bathroom breaks. You don't get to go to the food trailer whenever you want to. It's constant, and it takes one person one extra to ruin the entire scene and have to start back what 20 minutes prior reset i yeah. can't imagine what the resets must have been like it's like well the shot goes on for 15 minutes yeah until we can sort of fake a cut which even then it's like very there's only i think three instances that I remember where it sort of has a fade to black mm-hmm. or like it fades into a shadow and it looks like you're still moving with the characters. I'm like, well, this is obviously where they had to cut, but there's so few and far between. Yeah. And like you said, all these extras banning on you hitting your marks. Like these had to be the highest level professional extras you could get your hands on. Oh yeah. It's, Hey, you're an extra. You're going to be in the most severe medical tent you have just lost a leg and you need to be screaming for 20 minutes of this take. And you're like, ah, like, I can't imagine what it would have been like on set. Like, how real would that feel for everyone? That's crazy. You know, and in this sense, too, it's almost like very theatrical because when you watch a live play, the show must go go on. And, you know, we've seen what happens with disasters. Um, what was that one uh, something live? What Broadway show was supposed to be live? And it was a ca- catastrophic failure because the lead actor had broken his leg. Rent. Rent, Le- rent live. And they had to do the not even the. Um, they did the dress rehearsal the night before. And that's when he broke his leg. And so 
yeah, they had to use all these understudies of people who just were not ready. So they literally took all the pieces of film from the dress rehearsal, and he only was live for the last scene where his leg is propped up on a table because he sings to Mimi on a guitar and literally has his leg propped up for elevation and is singing on his guitar and it's like one of the final scenes and everything else they had to cut from dress rehearsal and you know dress rehearsals there's mess ups and the audio was all jacked up and they basically had to just take all of that so it wasn't even live rent was not live so i mean there's an example like the show must go on and there were no resets for them and i just like i said it, it was an incredible feat that they put together here um, also, the music was very fit the story so well. Uh, it just drew you through, and it was it was very subtle because a lot of times it is quiet, it is silent. But as you go through the trailer, if you watch the whole trailer, you actually kind of hear, if you will, the theme song, which makes a huge appearance later in the film. Well, and hasn't that been like stuck in your head for all a week? day? Yeah, yeah the. Um, <laughs> The, I call it the Jordan song. I can't remember if it's the exact title, but I'm going home. And that's all you're going to get of singing from me because I'm a terrible singer. So. But it was very beautiful. And that's it. There was like these moments of real beauty and real humanity interspliced with so much hatred and awfulness. And I think that, you know, that's a mark of a great war film is that where it's able to show that nature is still showing spring. The trees are blooming and these petals are falling in the river. And, oh, look, there's a whole dam made of human bodies. Yeah. And there's entire worn, torn cities that are rubble. But yet the next scene, it's just beautiful, grassy fields. And, you know, you just forget that. The nature around you is continuing on. No matter how much you destroy things, like nature will continue on and seasons will continue on. Well, it just made me think watching this film that all those landscapes across Europe, all those trenches that were dug, how they have been filled in, overgrown, and it's like it's being erased. Nature heals itself, which is like a beautiful and mystical thing in many ways. But just to think of the horrors that, you know, just lay right beneath your feet when you visit those sites and just an incredible piece of film work. Oh, yes. Wonderfully done from our two main Lance Corporals, who are our two main characters, down to every single extra that was in that film. And I think that's how you can really tell a film is amazing, is that expectation of perfect detail down to the signage in the trenches to the smell you almost smell with them through a lot of this and feeling like you're with there in a plane crash or with them in in these things and it was very intimate it was it was an awesome film highly recommended from both of us but on that note it is time to crack open a bottle of wine or beer tuesday what are you drinking oh i thought you'd never say that well The top alcoholic beverages soldiers would drink on the front lines during World War I was wine, beer, cider, and brandy. They were actually issued daily rations of these. Sometimes, after looting from shops during their advancement into eastern France, 
they would find schnapps. Well, hey. I know. <laughs> so I will be having the daily rations provided to a soldier during World War One, which is 125 milliliters of schnapps. It was mighty cold in this movie, so it'll be on the rocks for me. That sounds amazing. Schnapps is also big in my family. Ooh, perfect. <laughs> with the with the German side of my family, I should say. So I think I might join you in the schnapps, but let me be a little bougie since um, I'm not in the trenches and go with peppermint schnapps because tis the season, y'all. Fun fact, that is the first thing I ever got drunk off of. Ah! Yep. Well, we're learning so much about each other. Right? <laughs> Schmirnoff ices and peppermint schnapps. It's, imagine, it's a wonder I ever drank again. <laughs> so on that note, you don't have to cross no man's land to hear more of our episodes. Just hit subscribe. We are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Follow The Charge and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, find us all the time on whiskeyandpopcorn.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you at the movies.